I'm going to postulate here a little bit. I know nothing about this man. Um, I'm going to take a guess that Barry was hurt in a relationship and his former paramour, I don't even know if she was like actually in the queer community. She might've just like had a, like thought a woman was cute. And he just took that and just used an entire like Hollywood budget and screenwriting opportunity to just piss on all the lesbians because he's angry about something. The, the like killer queer kind of stereotype that has just been floating around for almost nigh a century. Not only is it detrimental, it's tired. It is so tired. Yeah. And I, I don't think we've actually come out and said the whole reasoning behind it. Andrea is actually going through all these tactics because she is in love with Emily and is a lesbian and it has an attraction to her, doesn't know how to express that attraction, obviously has some type of mental issues because she sees a therapist who happens to be the same therapist that Emily goes to. And there's that whole weird dynamic with her and the therapist. Um, Honestly, though, like, the corduroy chair that he's sitting in is the only good thing about this movie. <laughs> if you look at the therapy sessions and you just mash them all together, there's like half a short film that's decent. Because again, Liz Adams, she's taking what she's got and she's putting everything into it. Like she's she's got some really like genuinely emotional moments and like she understands like the hurt and the psychopathy. But again, it's just it's just a harmful role. And it sucks that she mm -hmm. put that much good energy into something so just objectively ugh. And so Emily is moving and is trying to get all of her stuff out. And so, you know, being the good neighbor that Andrea is comes over and starts talking to her and trying to help her and stuff. Lo and behold, the rapist shows back up and tries to go for round two, a good midday round two. You know what I'm saying? Don't phrase it like that, you psycho. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I guess I can't say I know what a rapist thinks or anything like that, but I would assume it's a lot like anybody else and like you don't want to return to the scene of the crime why would you go back to the same person and why would you want to do it midday it was it was at night last time you were there but we're talking midday at a crime scene now it didn't make sense to me at all and then knowing what we know happens in the end and knowing that andrea is fueling this whole thing why was that guy cool with getting his arm smashed in the door that guy had to have broke his arm in several places because she was ramming that arm into that door because you know a treacherous lesbian money knows no bounds uh yeah i mean she had that lesbian money <laughs> I say that totally sarcastically and then just goes through the whole seduction angle where in the lowest cut dress she could find, she is trying to get Emily drunk. She's going through all the stereotypes of like a predatory person that anybody should see in the end that she doesn't have your best interest at heart, sweetie, but she is completely oblivious to it. Of course, I mean, I guess it is the 1980s, but let's be honest, like she should have known. People had brains in the 80s. You know, we get later in the story and her and the detective's relationship is kind of blooming. It's revealed that Andrea has taken up residence right across the street from her new apartment in this, I mean, five-story house because she was on the fifth floor and is just creeping on her. I mean, total like cucking out, man. So just watching her through the window. I mean, just full on like smoking a cigarette, like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the shit. Uh -huh. Oh, 
And the only thing that happens for about 40 minutes while she's doing that is later in the day, like Talia Shire, Emily, she hails a cab to go somewhere. I can't even remember. And she sees the name of a guy and his name's Lawrence. And she keeps calling him Larry. And he, he, he wants to be called Lawrence. Come to find Lawrence is the rapist. And so she immediately like kind of puts two and two together, asking him to pull over as you would. She goes to a payphone and he's like, yeah, my flag's still up. You got to get back in. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she gets out and like, she makes a call. She gets back in and just the tension's supposed to build. And then all of a sudden they get to the destination and homeboy Coparino is waiting there with his pistol. And I'm like, oh, it's a setup. But still, you have his name. You could have found him. Oh, it makes no sense. That would only make sense if it was something from today, because if you have the technology of today, then yeah, they might be able to find that cab within that amount of time. Maybe not, possibly, but we're talking about 1970s, 1980s technology, right? We're talking about, they didn't even make it to their destination. She got so weirded out that she was just like, no, just pull over here. And she gets out of the vehicle and then all of a sudden, bam, cops are there surrounding them. That would make sense if they were in a small town, but they're in New York. (laughs) 